are on the way. I trusted God for a good turnout, but I, I, I don't want to ignore the factor of the weather. Uh, it's a little bit, but it's coming down. Um, I know everybody has a rough time coming here. Uh, I left the house very early in the morning. We had a meeting in Bethel. So we were there when they started uh, falling. And Pastor Desmond and I, we drove differently. It was a rough time getting here a little bit. Uh, that was when it was falling. But now it's kind of uh, tapering down. And um, my family was coming from Rockland. I understand a lot of it wasn't a very good you know, time. But we are here. And we succeed, we prevail. I, I don't like scheduling things in the winter months. <laughs> you can stay away. I normally don't. Yeah. Oh yeah, we I saw it on my way on our way from Bethel. Then we were coming from Bethel. Yes, and you know what it is. It, yeah, to be even the accident, even the accident, people not recognizing that the pavement is wet with snow, and that's what it is. But so that's when I. We are talking about it. I mean, you're driving. Even on a dry ground, you don't have... You, people don't realize they don't have control of the engine. <laughs> yeah. They're rubbernecking and the, the traffic is true. That's what they call rubbernecking delay and all that. Actually, when we are coming, both sides of um, Bronx River Parkway, there were accidents. But what worsens it is rubbernecking. And that will cause another accident. Uh, and so that, but they will not see us, amen. Uh, but we, we, we thank God we're here and we will prevail. And I believe that other people are coming on their way. Um, before we proceed, I just want to announce to you get I don't know if you've got the text, uh, then was Sister Pascaline, uh, you know, uh, lost their father, yeah. Um, so. We'll get the text, but before we leave tonight, we'll pray for them. She was going to be here, but her father has been out sick for less than two weeks now. And then she spoke with him yesterday. And um, it's just, I didn't want us to, I don't want to forget, I didn't want to forget if I keep it to the end so that you guys will reach out to them, I mean, touch with them. And with Sister Mata, just spoke with Sister Pascal. I was in the meeting when she called and. Um, uh, we spoke, and that causes a matter and all that. It's you know, it's less than a year the, their mom passed. Actually, it was last March. And now, good. Amen. Um, but Abraham is doing well. He, he, the event was successful yesterday, and he has been in constant touch. A tremendous son. And um, but God is good. Amen. God is good. And we, we are here and uh, we are going to continue. This year is going to be different for us as individuals, as families, as congregation. These are my major units, three units, when I'm praying and thinking about you all. And then from when we are held here, we reach the world. Praise the Lord. Individual, family, and congregation. It's very important you think that way because that's how God thinks of the church. It starts with the individual. He wants the family unit to be good. The local congregation. And then they can affect the world. Amen? So we are here and we are going to have a good, wonderful time. 
this is the first time we're doing this in a, uh, a workshop or seminar or conference form. I don't know what you can call it, but one thing I know is that this is only the seed form. Are you hearing me? They will grow beyond this congregation. So there is Operation Search and Rescue. Um, in the language of the Bible, is seek and save the lost. I used, I was thinking about how to head it, and the Holy Spirit gave me this situation whereby, I don't know if you heard about search and rescue. How many people have had that expression? Search and rescue, amen? Usually when there's a disaster, is that correct? Uh, the Navy or the Tra National Transportation Board or uh, the U.S., uh, what do you call them? Uh, Coast Guard. Amen? That's a stage, the amount of that operation before they call off anything. Immediately after the incident, they do that program to make sure. Because there could be people who are breathing that could be rescued. You don't just say, oh, it's over. You understand what I'm saying? They do search and rescue. So the world we live in now, I believe, is in a situation we can call search, we, that calls for what? Search and what? Rescue. So the Bible calls it seek and save the lost. Understanding the gospel of the kingdom and practical tips for evangelism and so winning. What we are going to, what we seek to do, what we seek to accomplish today, if possible, go over the background. Uh, today, we, because we, we have a second session coming up on another day. Is that correct? What day is that? February 22nd. We have to look at that date. Uh, we may shift that date. It's, you know, we'll, we'll come back at that, to that. But what we, I, I, I think we would do for that second session is to do, today we will try and do the background understand who we are dealing with what the situation is then the next one we're going to do hands on we're going to do the how the nitty gritty how to do it how to apply it how do you and we, I want us to look beyond the street situation the street situation is very important I want us to also look at on our jobs in our families, because the loss will be is everywhere. They are everywhere. Is that correct? So, and um, the the urgent need for this has come up because of the mass evangelism program we've been doing. We've done quite a lot of it for two years now. Is that correct? And uh, the Pastor Morin and her team really organized this for us to have this opportunity because what is worth. Do, doing is worth doing well. So today we want to look at the background, uh, what this calls for, who is the lost, and so on and so forth. What's the gospel? We look at that. Next time we're going to do real practical means of communicating it, and we'll end it with an impartation. Praise the Lord, because evangelism comes a lot with a lot more than just talking to people. It comes with impartation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So that a situation demands you begin to walk from there. Amen? And praise the Lord. So, um, let's go to the next slide. Uh, Luke 19. Can, 
can you give me scripture Luke 19 I think verse 10 you don't have the we can't do it both okay uh, um, I think it says something like, okay somebody get ready no no get a mic amen praise the Lord you get a mic come on glory <laughs> amen get a mic you, you'll be reading the scripture for us Luke 19 verse 10 amen let's look at that I am going to go very fast uh, we're not going to read a lot of the scriptures I will paraphrase them and then you can do your own uh, study I, I give you an idea because if you look at every scripture most of the scriptures is going to take longer we want to get out of here maybe in two hours time we'll be done amen okay Luke 19 get me I think it's verse 10 Mm -hmm. hey, yeah. mm -hmm. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's God's search and rescue operation. Is that clear? That's what we're doing. Seek and save the lost. God's search and rescue operation. That passage she read was a case of um, where's the, the short man? Zacchaeus. Jesus was going about preaching. And Zacchaeus was in the neighborhood. She was so sunk in the depth of the water that she had to look for. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when Jesus saw her, him, he said, come down. Praise the Lord. And the man was a sinner, clearly. He was lost. But he was making money, though. But he was lost. So Jesus saw him on the tree and came down and said, Come down before today. Salvation has come to your house. For this one is also a son of Abraham. And then he talked about for this purpose. What purpose? Of searching. Uh, the, the, you know, the son of man has come for the purpose of doing what? Searching. And saving the lost. Praise God. It's a major purpose for which Jesus came. There are a lot of purposes to bring the kingdom. Right? You understand what I'm saying? We can say to bring the kingdom, to heal the sick, to do this, but at the end of the day, it's about searching. And you have to notice, we always have this impression in modern church that the sinner has to come to us. But really, if you look at it, it was God who came to us. He came to earth to do what? First to search and to save. That's that. Amen? So who is the lost? The first question, who is the lost? Say, fallen humanity of all shades, known variously as what? Sinners, unbelievers, the unsaved, the ungodly, heathens, the wicked, pagans. You can go on and on. Praise the Lord. Go, go, go back to that slide. Go back to that slide. Okay. Let's wait a little bit. I think that's, um, that's a technical hitch. So, first and foremost, we want to know who is the lost. The lost, physically speaking, maybe your next door neighbor. You see him every day. 
So if, if you look at the loss physically, your next door neighbor is not lost because you just saw him this morning. They didn't call the police to look for him. Is that correct? But spiritually, he may be lost. It may be a sibling. It may be a child of yours. It may be a, 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 a relation of yours. Praise the Lord. So that's the lost. And if we don't get a better understanding of who the lost is, they may be around us and we will not be able to we will not be able to diagnose their problem and we will not move to do anything. You know, you can have your friends, your relations, they are eating well, they are doing well, they have not been to the hospital since you knew them, but it doesn't mean that everything is all right. Are we, this is the mindset we have to get for us to be able to witness to people. Family members, sometimes that's the hardest because you didn't really feel that they that they need the Lord. Your family member, you go to church, well, since, you know, they don't want to. Your own faith is established. Are you, are you following? So there's a tendency for us not to see people we are familiar with or people we are not even familiar with on the job. You, you, you can see this one, a supervisor, co-worker, that, that, that. If you have to ask yourself the question, are they saved or lost? So this is a, the primary mindset we must go out of this place with today. You know, the way a businessman or woman can see a group of people and think of what they need. The way an insurance man sees people and asks himself, do they have insurance? If anything happens now, what will happen to their house, their home, their children? Are you following what I'm saying? That's, we, have you noticed people like that, salesmen, that's the mindset they have. So what we are dealing with here is salesmanship. A lot of, of by, by nature don't have that. And that's why we have to train ourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is salesmanship. <laughs> Amen. We have to have that mindset. At the end of the day, we'll be thinking and speaking and acting like salesmen and women. Because otherwise, this, the loss will be passing by us every day. And nothing is happening. We can't even wait for mass evangelism for us to attempt to win souls. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And then when it comes, you look for that opportunity you hear. Composition. We're looking at two major kinds of people. They never before repented. Or what we call unrepentant humanity. Those who have never ever giving their life to Christ before, and there are many. Amen? As you go on the street, or as you encounter people, you see them. Or as they come here, you see them. The second group, the backsliding. Is that true? Okay. If you look at Luke 15, Isaiah 53, say all. So that includes almost everybody. Amen? Except those who are saved. All have gone astray to his own way. That's the primary sin. Praise the Lord. And Luke 15 there, you know, you, you saw three things that were lost in Luke 15. How many of you remember? Luke 15. That's a passage about the prodigal son. Before the Lord actually spoke about the prodigal son, he spoke about two other entities that were lost. Anybody remembers? The lost coin. Is that correct? Huh? Remember the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep? Each of them and the prodigal son, the common thing about each of them is that, number one, they were lost. The coin was lost. 
and there were about enough other coins in the woman's um, you know under her charge but she left all of that to look for that lost one praise the lord the, the lost sheep how many sheep was lost how many were left we are still not lost 99 so why not enjoy the 99 and forget about the one did you see the attitude praise the lord that's the attitude we need to have and that's the emphasis there the prodigal son how many brothers how many sons the natural tendency one is lost well i have one thank god i'm saved my family members are not saved thank god i'm only i'm the only believer in the in my in my department thank god but that's not the attitude in luke 15. the attitude in luke 15 yes thank god for the ones that are there but you still have to go out and search the other ones am i making a sense here that's the emphasis see if our attitudes about anything doesn't change we can produce results amen okay uh next slide how they got lost how did they get lost one reason uh, they lost may be different kinds of manifestations and people but only one reason many sins many kind of things that get them lost but one rebellion against god by what sin all have what sinned Romans 3 23 and come short of the glory of god and it's manifested through one adam amen by the offense of one man all died got lost so adam how do we get lost number one channel instrument was who adam secondly our ancestors amen the sins of the fathers will be judged to the fourth generation third channel we ourselves personal praise the lord individual responsibility amen if we say first john if we say we have no sin we're deceiving ourselves we've lost we are lost we were are you are you all hearing what i'm saying so we can't ignore this a lot of the lost you will encounter today inherited that status through this channel adam praise the lord immediate forefathers or long-standing forefathers or parents for parents and then we ourselves also so it's like a triple three strikes against us against the lost next their condition now you can see them around you in the family you can see them on the job you can see them anywhere even in church and you just think it's just them we want to use a microscope a little bit and look at their condition is that okay with that we do that huh and we're going to use biblical terms how god sees the lost the the kind of language he uses towards them not my own language not yours and you know why it's important to understand these things if you don't get to see things the way the bible sees them your affect your attitude will never change and then you will always have this gap between god's agenda and your agenda so the first way god sees them is that they are what dead remember the scripture that says dead in sins and what trespasses spiritually dead 
the day Adam sinned, he died spiritually, but physically he lived for 900 and something years. So Adam was lost for about 900 years. <laughs> Think about that. Then alienated. It may be your family member, but spiritual destiny is different. You are with the Lord, but he or she is alienated. Doesn't that make you, wouldn't that make you to do something about that? Are you all following what I'm saying? Good. Alienated from God, separated, under curse. The lost are still under curse. Think about it. You're five in the family. Everybody loves everybody in the family. Huh? And that's a good thing. But if you keep thinking about, yeah, we are good family, close knit, even though three people don't know the Lord, they are in different religions, so on and so on. But I know the Lord, thank God. But you have to look beyond that to see that they are under a curse. And you are not. Is that a good picture? <laughs> if they are doing businesses and uh, in our neighborhood as a church, and they are under curse, and we are here, under blessing, don't you know that their curse may affect the environment? I, I, are you following what I'm saying? In bondage, they are in bondage or captivity. The Bible also says that they are blind. Listen to this. They are already judged. They are already what? Judged. You know, there are Christians whose family members get to pass and to die. The, what they are concerned about, or if they are giving testimony, thank God, he finally got to know the Lord. Are you following? It would take you to have considered him as a lost person at some point and witness to him. Don't let sentiment affect you. Oh, it's my, it's my dad. It was my mom. Wonderful woman. How can you say that she's, uh, you know, she's a, a judge or condemned already or by death because, oh, but she was a nice person. There's a saying that a good man can go to hell. Good people do end up in hell. Is that true? Look at Cornelius. Wonderful guy. And God still considered him as a lost person. I had to go to him to save him. Your neighbor. You know, we, we, when we were in the Bronx, our neighbors were, the people that live on our side were Muslims. Are you hearing me? Well, my wife will tell you. This couple and their children are some of the best human beings on earth. Very nice people. But you know what? Ultimately, religiously, unless they have given their life to Jesus Christ, they are lost. So don't let sentiments stand in the way. Okay, condemned, they forfeited the kingdom and its dominion. That's how you're going to see them. Number two, psychologically. Let's look at them psychologically and emotionally. They're already guilty before God. They have a sense of unworthiness, but they may not show it. And some of them may be ignorant about it. Some of them are ashamed, or they ought to be ashamed of themselves for what Adam did and what they are doing. Some of them are living in sin, and it doesn't affect them. They don't even know. And you, go, you get to know why. Because they are blind. Did you see blindness in the first one? Huh? Amen. They are blind and they're still acting like nothing happened. 
They're ashamed, okay, rejected and empty. A lot of that among them. Praise the Lord. Physically, sickness and ill health afflicts the lost the most. Are, are there believers who are sick and daughter? Yes. But at least they have the assurance, the provision for healing. Amen? And some, so most of these people are sick and, he, and ill. And some are, quote, healthy physically. Let's not make mistakes about that. Not everybody out there who is an unbeliever needs healing for any, for, for phys any physical condition. Are you following? So we have to be open and honest. For materially, uh, there's constant insufficiency, lack, and poverty. Or sometimes they're the wealthiest of people around you. Are you all following? Bill Gates is clear upfront. He doesn't believe in God. Are you all following what I'm saying? He doesn't. But you know what? At the end of the day, you know what he is? A lost soul. Is he doing charity work in Africa? Yeah, he and his wife have a massive campaign for vaccination in Africa. The most God can accept from that is for that good work they are doing, send the Holy Spirit to them to open their eyes. He did it to Cornelius. Are you all following what I'm saying? Oh, you, and you know, some of these lost people, some believers even admire them to the point of they want to be like them. How can you witness to such a person? Are you all following what I'm saying? Oh, they, they are the stars and, the, and the, you know, how do you call it? You know, uh, heroes of some believers. Especially our children. And we are not believers. Don't, are not concerned about that. No, don't, don't go that route. Are you following? And that says something that we are not even concerned about their spiritual condition. We are, we are not. Amen. Next. Spiritually. What's their condition spiritually? They, they don't believe. A lot of them are agnostics. In other words, they are not sure if there's the supernatural or not. There are a lot of them around you at home, in the job, on, the, on your jobs. Is that true? Whether they're there's God or not. They don't know and they don't care to know. Agnosticism. Praise the Lord. Some people have come to a conclusion that there's no God, no supernatural. Everything is physical. Atheists. Did you see that? There are people who believe or don't believe and for them what matters is the world system. Secularists. These are the kind of people we are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. And there are those who believe there is God? But guess who the God is? Man. Humanists. I tell you, this, some of them are in government making decisions for you. Is that, are you following? Some of them are teaching your children. So the more they get saved, the safer everybody is. Or gets. Are you following what I'm saying? Huh? And then there are religious people among them. They are religious among the lost. How? Could they be religious and be lost? Because their religiosity is a belief in idols, idolatry. Are you following? In occultism, the occult. And then some of them who have, you know, a lot of people all who are non-Christians, they're religious, 
they, 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 they are religious but non-Christian, they are lost. You believe that? Huh? All Muslims are lost. Many people will not like that statement. All Hindus are lost. All Buddhists are lost. So don't, if you see them on the job and all that, don't just think of them. Pay attention here. As long as you are not going to abuse them, you are not, it's not godly to abuse them or insult them. Don't just take it that, well, that's their own God, but this is my God. That's not sufficient. That's not what God wants us to do. Am I, are you following what I'm saying? Huh? Okay, because we, we live in an ecumenical environment. You know, everybody has their religion. You know what? We live, co coexist well. I, 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 every day, you know, America used to be what they call a Christian nation. Is that correct? But, but the trend now is that, you know, this is who we are as Americans. Everybody have their own religion. Everybody have their way to God. You know, this is a, 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 in a pluralistic society. And that is true. But it, you, you don't fight them. You don't kill them. Let me say this to you us. In the 40s and 50s, and this is part of what the Christian white evangelicals are fighting now. But just fighting something the wrong way. In the 40s, pay attention to this. 30s, 40s, and 50s. The majority of this country was white evangelicals. Are you following? But the coloration has changed. Whole communities in America are now Muslim. If you go to Michigan, there are zip codes that are Muslim. That's why you're here and you're having Muslim congressmen and women. You don't understand. They didn't just, are you following? If they didn't have majority of their people in their congressional district, they won't win election. <laughs> Let's face it. You know how many Muslim congressmen and women today? Hindus. The U.S. Congress used to be 99% white evangelicals. Blacks were not even being elected in the time years I called. Are you, are you all following? Okay. African-Americans, the population is growing and growing and growing. Between the 90s and now, you can, it's unbelievable the number of West Africans that are here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hindus, the same thing, Iranians, Iraqis. And you know what? Closing the border is not a solution. And if care is not taken, here's where it's coming to. Christianity may not be a dominant religion again in America. And the most effective means of holding up Christ as majority and the power in this country is evangelism. You know, you know why they're all running after Trump, the white evangelicals? Because he's closing the border. He's stopping the Muslims at the airport. How long will Trump be in office? Let's be realistic. How, how long is he going to be in office? Huh? Let's, let's face it. See, see, the problem with these people is that, okay, oh, Trump is going to appoint... Are you all paying attention? Let, let's face If you are concerned about our children, that's what we're going to do. Oh, he's appointing uh, the conservative in the Supreme Court. Wouldn't they die, die off? Let's face it. So we support him. Whatever he does to people, we hail him, we support him. 
Listen, those judges he's going to appoint will die off. Let me tell you this. By the way, the U.S. Supreme Court, since I started studying them, since the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, have been stacked up by conservatives. There have always been more conservatives than liberals in the U.S. Supreme Court. The Republicans have appointed more U.S. Supreme Court judges than the Democratic Party. So where were those conservatives when homosexuality was upheld by the Supreme Court law? Do you understand what I'm saying? So politicians use the church to get to position. Are you hearing me? Because we think if we elect a judge who claims to be a Christian, a president who claims to be a, a Christian, everything will be alright. It's a cop-out. We must depend on the gospel to do these things for us. And one thing I can tell you about Christians who always want nations where Christians always want a Christian to be president is laziness. Let me tell you why, how it works. Are, are you listening to me? Okay. If they figure, if they make the Christian a president in that country, then they don't have to come out to do all night prayer meetings. They don't need to do evangelism. They'll go to bed and sleep because the, the president is Christian. The chief judge is Christian. The speaker is Christian. The president of the senate is Christian. That's what got us where we are today. Do you understand what I'm saying? So any politician who's coming to office now says, hey, these churches, they want a Christian to be president. They say, okay, I'm going to be president. Listen, when I go there, I'll stop abortion. I'll stop this. I'll stop. Whether they are true or not, Christians start voting for them. And they call them for evangelism. They won't come out. Call them for prayer. They won't come out. Why? Because we have a Christian president. America is a Christian nation. Where were they? The, the color, religious color changed without people noticing it. Do you know what the fastest growing religion is today? Both in America and the world. Islam. Why? Because they are doing more campaign than Christians are doing. I don't mean political campaign. I mean soul winning campaign. Let's face it. <laughs> okay? So, I, I'm tired of seeing these people talk about it. We call Christians to come out, churches to come out. For evangelism, they won't come out. Come out for prayer, they won't come out. No effort. Because we are depending on politicians to do our job. We can't continue to do that. Listen, abortion is pushing. Are you hearing me? Huh? Um, um, what, what do you call it? Homosexuality is waxing. Yet, we have always had conservative judges. Why? Because we are depending on the arm of the flesh. When people get saved, they will not be doing those things. Are you hearing me? Good. Praise the Lord. Let me, let, let me say this and I, 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 I go beyond this. Study Israel. The, in the history of Israel, when they had political stability, they went down spiritually. They rose up when the wicked, when they have to do with the wicked. When did Elijah, Elijah came to power, to, to ministry? 
against Ahab when the president was a Baal worshipper. The first lady, the last name is Baal. <laughs> no, do you understand what I'm saying? That was when Elijah rose up. But here, we want President White House, it's evangelical, white evangelical, Supreme Court, the same thing, Congress, the same thing. Oh, okay, let's go to sleep. It doesn't work that way. Well, you know what? We end up two years, three years, the country becomes more gay. More child murderers. Because we gave up on what really works. And by the way, if we have to really look at our politicians and find out who should vote, I don't think presidency has much power. Because you know what happens? The present president, if he has to do anything without Congress, he will do executive order. You know executive order has expiry date. The day another president comes in is the expiry date. So if we have to really look for Christians to vote for, let's focus on Congress. <laughs> Did you understand what I'm saying? And then pray. It doesn't matter who you elect. You pray. In Africa, remember in the 90s, Christians are becoming president. There was one in Zambia. They say, he's president, he's president. Everybody voted for him. When he ended up, it was disaster. He's dead now. In Uganda, the one there that has been there for almost 40 years, who said he called Christians, pray, and they throw this, throw this away. It's right off. Why am I saying this? Let's get back to what? The gospel. Let's stop depending on politicians. Am I making a point here? All right. That's spirituality. So, and then you have also nominal what? Christians. Nominal. Have you had the expression nominal Christians? Eh? Have you? Oh, nobody has about nominal Christians. They are lost. You know, Christianity used to be about being born again. But now, everybody claims to be a Christian. Now, a guy called me, they sent him to me on phone to, you know, he was being oppressed. Serious oppression. He was invaded. He's being visited by terrible creatures. I mean, seriously. So he called me and we were talking. First thing I'll ask them, are you a Christian? I said, are you a born-again Christian? He said, I don't know about that, but I'm a Christian. That's the point. He's a nominal Christian. Okay? So, to be honest with you, we have to go back to these things. A lot of people on the, in the streets or at home who are lost, they claim to be what? Christians. And when they tell you, hey, I'm a Christian, then you think everything is alright. That shouldn't stop you from witnessing to them. Unless you know they are born again Christian in another denomination or congregation. Then you edify one another. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. For the most part, we being Christians, a lot of people we are going to meet are people who have Christian background, backgrounds. But they've never been to church for ages. They are lost. We must witness to them. Am I, are you, am I clear on that one? The last one is what? Okay, we are looking at their manifestations now. That's spiritually, they manifest in various forms. Agnostics, atheists, secularists, humanists, religious people. Some of them are worshipping idols. Occultism. Some are non-Christians. Some are nominal what? Christians. And some are 
backsliding Christians. I should have put that there. Are you all following? But there are people who have given their life to Christ before, but they are not following because somebody disappointed them, whatever happens. So backsliding Christians, they also lost. Praise the Lord. And, 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 and we need to target them. Psychologically, how do they manifest? The non-religious ones reject the supernatural or all forms of revelation. Why I'm talking this when you're discussing with them. Uh, you, 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 may be, you may say, oh, you know what? I need to go and pray. Or I have an online prayer meeting. Or I Thursday night. They look at you, what's that? And you talk to them. You'll be in church for four, for, for four hours. And you start talking. Anything can start the, the discussion. You know where they are. And they are trying to tell you they don't believe in the supernatural. That they are manifesting. They are crying out to you. Are you following? Psychologically and emotionally. Praise the Lord. It may be a discussion on the job. It may be a discussion about a TV preacher. Are you following? Uh, who is asking for tithe. And they say, do you do that stuff? Do you give your money to preachers? They are telling you who they are. are. Are you following what I'm saying? They are just crying out. They are revealing themselves. Praise the Lord. Or you mentioned one day, oh, I'm fasting. What's that? They are telling you who they are. They don't believe in any form of supernatural or revelation. They are secularists. All they talk about is the natural world and everyday life. They are humanists. They even believe in that man is God for himself. You know, have you heard of the expression? And a lot of quote Christians are using it this day without knowing what they are saying. Have you heard of people around you saying, hey, you got to believe in yourself. They are crying out without knowing it. You can't believe in yourself. They want to let you know how they made it, how you can make it in life. So you got some Christians are saying it. Say, dear Lord, they don't know what they're saying. You got to believe in yourself. You can't. Okay? They are manifesting. Then the religious ones amongst them are sometimes accept only satanic supernatural and reject the Bible. That's the religious ones. That's a lost right there. Praise the Lord. Um I reject Jehovah, not Jehovah's. Reject Jehovah, as okay. Oh, reject Jehovah as the true God, and accepts all idols as God. He's lost right there. Do you understand what I'm talking about? These things can come up on, you know, discussion or introduction. Hey, so 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 a Muslim. It, that's what he's telling you about his. His mindset. Are you following? He's manifesting. So he's a lost person, therefore, so winning. Praise the Lord. You don't, what I'm saying, you don't have to. You don't, you know, you, you don't have to be in a church setting or talk about religious things to find out who the lost around you is. Amen? Or reject Jesus as the Son, Christ, and only way to God. He rejects it, but accepts other saviors, other ways. Are you following? And he rejects the finished work of the cross. Accepts other means as basis of righteousness. L let's say he, he, he tells you, well, I am righteous because, listen, I've not slept with a woman. I've not slept with a man before. That's their basis of righteousness. Are you following what I'm saying? 
I don't offend, I don't curse anybody, I don't do this, I don't drink, I don't smoke. How about Jesus? Have you considered Jesus? Why do I need him? It's a lost soul there. Am I making sense? These are things you have to connect that you get you thinking, oh, this person is lost. And you look at them, he's a nice person. But remember, good people end up in hell. Cornelius was going to end up in hell. Listen, the Bible recorded how good this guy was. But God sent Peter to do what? What did God send Peter to go and do with Cornelius? This guy built synagogue, built everything, gave money to the Jewish people. But God sent Peter to do what? Anybody remembers? Huh? To tell him about Jesus. To tell him about Jesus. What did the guy, what is it that the guy didn't know or have? Jesus. He had a natural goodness, but he didn't have Jesus. Am I making sense here? Alright, so you, if you were around Cornelius, you'll be wondering and asking, when is this guy going to heaven? Hey, the angels can't wait for him to die. They will just carry him to heaven. Why? Because, he, listen, he, he built the, what do you call it? The synagogue in my community. He gave everybody, every Christmas, everybody gets a good thing. And he was giving offering. The angel said to him, your offerings are being received. God has heard your prayers and, and, and seen your giving. Is that not true? But because he didn't have Jesus, God has to send Peter. So it's important that we understand what we are doing. It's about Jesus. And if you don't appreciate the, the, your own God's own grace of Jesus in your life, you can't see a lost person and recognize that the person is lost. Next, quickly, manifestations of the lost. Physically, a lifestyle of unrighteousness through various kinds of attitudes, words, and acts of sins. Yes? Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's why also we as believers, we will stay away from those things because that's a form of evangelism. Are you following? The, the unbeliever is the person who's he's expected, he's the only person, he's the one person who's expected to manifest a lifestyle of what? Unrighteousness through various kinds of attitudes, words, and acts of sin. If a believer puts himself in that condition, evangelism will be a problem. I, I'm, I'm, are, you, are you getting what I'm saying? Huh? I, I want us to understand this. So one of the ways you're going to look at a person and you say the person is a lost soul is where you see that but suppose you yourself you are in that position your silence immediately are, are you following what i'm saying if you're attending the same events doing the same thing they're doing huh you will make them more lost because you have silenced your position you may be the only person god placed strategically near them but you have forfeited that opportunity. You've wasted that opportunity. We'll talk more about that when we come to the means. Amen? Alright. Oppressed physically, they are also usually oppressed, demonized. With various kinds of sicknesses or illnesses, curses or evil experiences. When you are talking with people on your job, wherever you are, if you listen to them in the course of discussion, you hear some of those things, that's an opportunity. Are, are you following? That's an opportunity. 
let's say they are going through a cycle of evil experiences and they are telling you and sometimes if they know you are Christian they flock to you when they have this type of things is that true? Huh? they come to you you know God is amazing God says to them you know what this person is a, they themselves may not be church folks but when they are going through some of these things guess who they want to see? a church person and that's an opportunity praise the Lord and that's why you yourself need to have a testimony hallelujah and you need to live above them if you have any of those problems take care of it ahead of time let's say you're a believer you're always flying in your dream you're always doing this in your dream you're always doing this or you're always going through this kind of experience deal with it come to your church and deal with it because God has to get you ready so that another person sees you on the job and saying that you don't tell them me too it's not a me too movement then you, then you say oh if this person who is a Christian is going through this why do I bother myself okay we are in the same boat together no you ought not to be in the same boat together do you understand it's called lifestyle evangelism that's how when we gave our life to Christ that's how a lot of people got saved they come to work and they, a, a staff co-member is complaining to them what they're going to say I'm taking you to my church come that's how a lot of people got saved. <laughs> Let me tell you, without problems like that, a lot of people will not get saved. Let's face it. And God put it there for a reason. And put it there and put the church. And the church is the power authorized to deal with issues like that. Am I making any sense here? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, and all they may be well and healthy. Many lost people are well physically and healthy. In fact, they have some of the most healthy organs <laughs> that can be donated for anything. Are you all following? So let's face reality. Materially, materially, poverty, they may be poor or prosperous or well-to-do. I use the example of Bill Gates. It's not an insult. Uh, most of the millionaires. Uh, but they are still lost. Are you following? So you, do, you don't look at somebody because he drives some beautiful cars. You say, wow, there's no need witnessing to this one. And that's why, pay attention to this. And that's why it's wrong for the church to emphasize on wealth as a reason of people coming to Christ. Did you get my point? It is wrong. If all our message is that if you come to Christ, you'll be rich. You know, and God says he'll give us the wealth of the Gentile. It is true, God has given us wealth and riches. But there are a lot of wealthy people, people who are financially wealthy without stepping into church once. So that idea will not fly. Am I right? There is something more. Please do, do, do not get me wrong. I'm not preaching that Christians ought to be poor. No. And I'm not saying we cannot talk about prosperity and wealth in church. We need to talk about that. But the point I'm making is that beyond all of that, there's something more. Is that clear? Are there millionaire Muslims? Huh? Okay. So to them, you're not going to tell them, so listen, if you come to Christ, you're gonna be, you'll be rich. They say, what are you talking about? I have money. They, 
by all acclamation, the wealthiest man in Africa is a Muslim. Dangote. Have you heard of him? So, eh? so how are you going to go to him and, uh, and, and, and tell him, so if you really want to enjoy life, what he understands as life, amen, you need to come to Christ. No, God can use that wealth. And when he starts losing wealth, then he may start running for help. Are you following? Uh-huh. And there are many people in the Bible that we can use as examples. Next, um, what's their destiny and circumstance or lot? What is their destiny? I, I, I don't know if what we are talking about here is relevant to. Is that okay? Are, are you? Is that necessary? I'm not hearing agree. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's their destiny? Because if you think of their destiny, it will put you to work. We talk about destiny all the time. Destiny, destiny, destiny. You guess what we talk about destiny in church? Those who are saved, they want to know their destiny. They want to even the destiny they already have. They're not. In, they don't care about that. They want to know. You know when they're talking about destiny, they want. They're thinking of title, religious title, and quote ministry. Thinking of something to incorporate and have it behind their name. But here, let's look at the destiny of the unsaved. Number one, at the present time, they are already what? Judged. Does that sound good on any family member of ours? Or any friend, neighbor, co-worker? They are already what? Judged. That's their present destiny. Secondly, the another level of their present destiny is their continuing experience of the conditions and manifestations lifted, listed above. Like in the spiritual, dead, alienated, separated from God. Are you following? Is that a good destiny? No. And if we don't go to them, those conditions will continue. That's their present destiny. You think that is bad? Let's look at their future destiny. <laughs> Let's look at the future destiny. That's even worse. Amen? Uh, their potential future, meaning between now and the time of physical death, was their potential destiny. Between the present time and future death, for any one of those who don't have Christ, they are under what? Condemnation. Is that good? You know they don't have to be under that. You know that you and I may be the instrument that God wants to use to bring them out of that. Are you all following? You know that if they meet us on the next next mass evangelism day and they respond well, they'll be out of that destiny of being judged. No believer is under condemnation and judgment unless we continue in personal sin. In that one we can come out too from. Are you following? And then, even if they are breathing very well, they go to, went to the doctor, everything was good. Blood work, good. Huh? Stool and urine, good. Heart rate, good. Uh, everything, good. The doctor said, you don't have to see me again until for the next two years. But listen, they are what? Hell bound. All it takes is just the slightest thing to stop their breathing, and they're in hell. So that's what you'll be looking at. Are you all following? Huh? Next. Next. Ultimate future destiny 
post-physical death. After they are dead, it doesn't matter how many evangelists in the world you come, you bring to their dead bed and they are shouting into his ear. <laughs> no more salvation at that time. Nothing can change anymore. From that moment, they are now in damnation of life in Gehenna, known as lake of fire or hell. And what's the experience going to be there? Eternal punishment. Nobody can reverse that. It's irreversible. I know, you know what? That doesn't start at their funeral. Are you aware of that? It starts this moment they stop breathing. And I, like last night, we were emphasizing the Bible study. There are only two places anyone can go hell or heaven. No purgatory. We have people who pray so that your sins will be purged. And after they are purged, they see you cross over from hell into heaven and they come back and announce, and the priest tell them, We offered mass for them. It's a lie. You know one thing Jesus said in the parable between the rich man and Abraham and Lazarus, the poor man. Remember? He said, send somebody from heaven to go and preach you. He said, no. Why? He said, they have the law and the prophets. You know what that means? They have the preachers. And so where are the preachers? But are the preachers preaching? So we are here to change destinies. An encounter, anyone who encounters you can have their destinies changed. You know why I'm a believer today? Because it wasn't evangelists and other Christians preached to me. I was born in a Christian home. I went to mass how many times a week. I was praying as a child and I would sleep off regular. And when I went to the university before high school, I started veered off. In university, the Lord got me, allowed me to oppress. And it was men, born again Christians, who ministered to me. They changed my destiny. Without them, I couldn't be pastor, apostle, or whatever. They changed my destiny. I wasn't born a preacher, you know that? Or a teacher. Oh, listen, when they said when they preached to me, listen to me. The first few times I went to fellowship, Sister Angie, let me borrow your Bible. First few times I went to fellowship, somebody had to sit by me when they discovered what was going on. I'm talking about that great teacher today. Somebody had made it a business, a, a trader, made it his business to sit by me. Because when they say open their Bible, I go to the center. <laughs> You're laughing. You've not even heard what I'm going to say. When they say Deuteronomy, I'm in Revelation. When they say Revelation, I'm in Exodus. Can you believe? No. When you see me Sunday morning. No. I, 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 I want you to understand what you're talking about. When you see me praying for people. I wasn't born doing that. As a matter of fact, I was being oppressed. And guess who I went to? Believers. They changed my life. They were not ordained ministers. (laughs) 
I'm being honest with you. I don't know. Maybe your own is different. It was Billy Graham who ministered to you. Okay, sorry. I am just telling you. My aunt took me to a native doctor. Native doctor gave me something. <laughs> when I went to back to school, university, and they were oppressing me. And when those believers told me, I said, listen, look at what's going on. One of them said, bring those things. They were exercising authority to say, who are these guys? You mean bring them? What do you want? You want to destroy them? Really? So what will you give me? They said, nothing. <laughs> they took it, prayed for me, told me to go home. I said, what authority do you have? And I thought they would come with me. They said, go. Human beings. You know what they had? Born again. Listen, we have watered down born again Christianity. But we have to get back. And you know what? The most practical way to do it is by soul winning and evangelism. And no special people are called for that business. It's every believer. Amen? So next, let's go. Next. Divine purposes and plan. Divine purposes and plan. What's God's purpose and plan for the lost? Does God have plan for them? You know one thing about God? God knows, does God know they are lost? Huh? Yet he had what? Purposes and what? Plans for them. God forbid that you and I will stand in the way of that purpose and plan. That's what this is all about. Am I speaking to anybody? No, you didn't hear me. I said, does God know that certain people are lost? Yet he has plans and purposes for them? Okay. So you say to yourself, God forbid that I'm the one who may stand in the way. You know, Paul said, woe is me if I don't do what? Preach the gospel. Paul is saying, listen to me, God forbid that it will be said of me that I didn't preach the gospel. That means I stood in the way between God's purposes and the lost. Are you following? Later, when he was leaving uh, Ephesus, he gathered the elders. First thing he said to them, listen, I am free from the what? Blood. Of who? All men. If you don't preach the gospel, because he said, you know what he said? How he's free? Why he knows he's free? He said, because I went door to door. Telling them about Jesus. Is that what Paul said? I wish we have time to look at scripture. You see it in your own Bible. He said, for doing that, I am free from the blood of how many men? All men. Ezekiel, God was telling Ezekiel, if I send you to a sinner, come on. Amen? To bring him to me, and you do not go, and he dies. What happens? Eh? His blood is where? On your head. That means you stood in the way of God's purposes and plans. But if you went and told him, and he refuses to hear you, and he dies, then his blood is on, on his head. Is that clear? So here's God's purposes and plan. Number one, that none should what? Perish. No, no, give me first Peter. I want you to hear that clearly. First Peter 3, 8 to 10. And I know what you're thinking. There are some churches that preach that God has already selected those who will be saved. It's not true. Are you hearing me? Okay. God couldn't do that and then ask us to go and win souls. Yeah, 2 Peter chapter 3, 8 to 10. 
Is this second or first? Second, yeah. Second. Quickly, let, let's look at that scripture. I want you to hear it clearly. Read it out loud. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Did you find it? Second Peter eight to ten. Three eight to ten. Second Peter three eight to ten. Mm -hmm. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, mm -hmm. beloved. That with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, mm -hmm. and a thousand years is like one day. Mm -hmm. The Lord. The Lord is not slow about his promise, mm -hmm. as some count slowness, mm -hmm. but his patience towards you, mm -hmm. not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Does that tell us God's purpose about the lost? Huh? You know, that's part of why he has not destroyed the world. It's not that he's weak or he's slow, but he wants to a situation whereby if all can be delivered from judgment and hell. <laughs> Remember when he was going to destroy Sodom? He stopped by Abraham for this purpose. How, how do I know? Abraham started praying if he can spare. And God was willing to listen to Abraham. But God has his principles and conditions. Abraham was negotiating just because of his nephew. Abraham was trying to see and Abraham was a good soul winner. Just because he could have so God, God, you know what? Destroy Sodom, they're wicked. And that's why I refused to, to, to live there when my, 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 ne my nephew almost pushed me there. They're wicked. And my nephew went there. So, um, you know what? Let him die with them. He didn't do that. He could have said, okay, bring my nephew out and then destroy the rest. No. He started negotiating with God. Suppose we find such a number of people. God said, I will, I will change my plan. Suppose, we, are you following what I'm saying? Why? Abraham understood that actually God is not in primarily into the business of destroying lives. It's primarily into the business of what? Saving them. But if anyone refuses, then he'll go. Are you following? Amen. So that's God's purpose. Number two. Uh, purpose number one. Um, plan number one. That's his purpose actually. Number one. Purpose number two. Restoration and what? Reconciliation those passages will tell you will tell you that. If you look at Luke 15, the three parables, lost coin, lost sheep, prodigal son. That's what it's all about. Restoration and what? Not just restoration. And what? Because remember how they lost, got lost. Rebellion. Huh? So God's purpose is to undo the rebellion by first restoring them. How did he restore? He went out to seek them. And when he, he found them, he didn't put them in the living in the doorstep or living room and stay in the bedroom. No, he reconciled them to himself. That's purpose number two. Is that correct? Third, regeneration. When they were lost and dead, he quickened their spirit when he found them. That regeneration. Remember, the spirit was dead. But now, when he finds them, he does what? He gives them a jump start. Hello? Praise the Lord. He gave, he, it's, it's like somebody lost their car on the highway because he died. He couldn't help you. Amen? You were so angry that this car disappointed you. It put you to shame when you needed it the most. And it was raining that day. No, does that happen to us? Huh? It was raining that day. It was even snowing. I stayed out. 
and I usually don't like standing on the way at night. You got your way home. You remember you had a jump start cable. Is that correct? You, you came back to that car. Let, let, let me tell you. Huh? It may be a 2003 Honda Acura, right? You came back with your jump start cable. And you plug it in and they brought you a new car. Somebody said, what are you doing with this car? You, are not, you don't want to listen at that time. Just jump start my car for me. That's regeneration. They plug a healthy life from a, a newer car to the old one. And do what? Boom. Thank you, sir. <laughs> That's what God did to us. That's part of his plan. Regeneration. Jump starting the life. And after he jump started the life, amen, he filled that life. Because after you jump start that car, you go and check out the battery. They say to you, this battery is dying. Then you can replace the battery. He gave us, filled us with, refilled us with what? Eternal life. His own life. Am I making sense to anybody here? That's the plan. You need to understand the plan. So when you stand on the street speaking to anybody, you have an idea of the plan of what's going on. This is not an empty religious activity. Am I making sense? That's why I'm bothering you with all these details. So that you know how this thing works. If you ever go out and do things you don't understand how they work, you won't do them well. Am, am, am I right? So, when you're walking, you have to, don't see yourself alone. The Holy Spirit is at work. All you're doing, you're, 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 you're the guy that gave, that gave him a, the person a ride with his jump. God wants to ride with you with his jump start cable. He wants you to drop him to where that person is so that he can jump start his car. That's what it is. Are you all following? After he gives them life, he readmits them. Readmittance into his what? Family. And, the, the, and there's scripture everywhere. If you look at the refilling with eternal life, the, the day he came out from, from the grave, you remember? What was the first order of business for him? The same day Jesus came out from the grave, what was the first order of business? What was the first major thing? event he undertook the bible said that same evening anybody he what number one he sought them out you know they were all lost you know they were his disciples were lost how do i know they denied him it wasn't only peter and number two they ran away so when he came out he saw the women he said to them, go and tell my disciples and Peter. That's number one. And the women went and so on and so forth. He himself went to where they were. He sought them out. Are you following? That's number one. Number two, what did he do? After he, saw, he, 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 he found them, he breathed into them and said, receive what? Holy Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit as a power, but the Holy Spirit as life. Because as power came on the day of Pentecost. But the first resurrection day is breathing of divine life, resurrection life into them. And after that, what did he say to them? As my father sent me, so send I you. To do what? Go and seek other lost people and, and bring them. Praise the Lord. Alright, readmittance into God's family and kingdom. Next one is baptism and sealing with the holy spirit next one is 
restoration of inheritance, and eternal fellowship. All of these are there. All of these are there. If you look at the last one, actually, it's no accident. Restoration of inheritance and eternal fellowship. Acts 26, 18, which is the biblical mandate for this ministry, for this church. Paul's words to Paul, saying to him, you know, I've called you to do what? To go to both Jews, the lost, of what nationalities? Both Jews and what? Gentiles, right? And uh, preaching the gospel to them so that they may be turned, listen to this, from darkness to what? Light. From the power of Satan unto who? God. That they might receive what? Forgiveness of sins. And what? An inheritance among those. Amen. Who have been sanctified by faith in me. That's what evangelism is all about. That's what Paul's life. And that's what we are seeking to do this evening. Next slide quickly. We're almost done. Divine intervention. How did God intervene? We just look at the, the purposes and plans. Are, are, are we following these things? Huh? Are these going to be useful for our witnessing? If it's not going to be useful, we'll stop at this level. Because I'm not hearing you. Is it going to be useful? Okay. Yeah, seriously, if it's not, then we stop and we, we, we go back to what we are doing. Divine intervention. The good news is this. God has done it already. Praise the Lord. That's the point. Don't ever. You know, one of the wrong prayers I think we pray is God save this person, God save that person. I don't think it's a very accurate prayer. You know why? Anybody knows why? Help me. He saved who? Everyone. He has saved everyone already. Praise the Lord. You know, if, if I go somewhere else, except that you have been taught, if I go somewhere else to say it, they may think I'm a false preacher. God has saved everybody. Have you noticed that? Has God saved you? When did God save you? Okay. You think everybody knows that? So people keep praying for God. God save my husband. Save my wife. Save his father. Her father. Save her mother. Save everybody. God, God has saved them. And cry and cry. God has saved everyone. You're going to see what happened. But the issue is that still some people may end up in hell. Why? That's where the reasons are. They never received the salvation that God gave them. And the, the, the blame goes around. <laughs> the blame will go around. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And if you understand this, Soul winning will not be a difficulty for you. I don't know whether God will save him or not. I don't know how people got that idea. Your problem is, I don't know whether he will receive it or not. To be honest with you. And if you understand this and start praying, all you need to pray now, Holy Spirit, open their eyes to see what Jesus did. Are you following? And you know what I found out? If you pray that prayer, it will never go unanswered, especially regularly. So let, let's see what God has already done. Redemption. Redemption is God's rescue operation by which, listen, Satan was what? Defeated. His kingdom what? 
overthrown, the fall that made these people lost was what dealt with how sin was judged and what punished. Is that correct? Then, what effect did he have on the lost? He was forgiven. Praise the Lord. Cleansed. Can you imagine that? Huh? What else? Justified. And what? Released from bondage. And what? Curses. But he may still be there. You know what happened? If you read some of the history, American history, especially when it came to slavery, do you know that after slavery, what God's slavery ended was a congressional law signed by the president at the time? Are you following? Uh, at least in the United States, almost the same thing happened in England and then the islands and everywhere. Are you following? That when the proclamation for the abrogation of slavery was passed and declared by Congress, not every slave heard yeah you think it was today they have facebook social media you know we live in an age that you do get information about news you and i were talking about the other day you, you now you can get news before cbs and nbc that's why it's called social media because people are taking the video on their phone before it used to be they get it on their phone and then they go to Manhattan and to ask the journalist, I got a car burning on the turnpike. Can you, how much are you going to pay me? And they will no. Now, hear me clearly, watch out. You get it on Facebook or WhatsApp two weeks before they publish it in the news. <laughs> That's why it's called social media. So it's not necessarily journalists now. It's necessary your friends who become amateur journalists circulating the news. Praise the Lord. So, in those days, 20 years, 10 years, 20 years after slavery, some people were still serving as slaves. Why? They didn't hear. Are you all following? Amen? So, what happens? One day, they may be walking on the street and meet a friend. So you look different. He said, Yes. Don't you know? Why shouldn't I? He said, Where are you? He said, I'm now, I'm now in uh, New York City. How did you get there? You're not with Mr. Soso anymore? No. Where are you? I'm still with her. Why? Are you asking me why? Why not? So you've not heard? That's evangelism. Are you all listening to me? You've not heard that it's been what? Abolished. It's been what? And the law says you cannot, it's criminal if you subject anybody back to that again. So he may not even bother to go and get his or her stuff. From there he's free. Uh, am I true? Am I right? Huh? That's what happened. Oh, read some of the things. People didn't get to know at the same time. Praise the Lord. And that's exactly the same way. There are people who think they have to continue to suffer in darkness, in bondage, and in sin. Praise the Lord. Amen. And that's spiritual slavery, evil, wickedness, 
See, slavery, both physical and spiritual, is evil. And God does not want anybody to stay in such conditions. Are you all following? And you know what? Slavery of all kinds is coming back everywhere around the world. And the church is the only force that can overcome it. Praise the Lord. So, it's been done. So, but if the people do not hear, they will not receive. Can somebody turn with me to Romans chapter, Romans chapter, I believe, is it 8 or 10? Hmm? From verse 8. Yeah, read, read loud. Yeah, ten, is it, is it 8, 10? No, no, it should be 10. 10. 10, 8. Yeah, Romans 10. Read something. <laughs> but what does it say? The Lord is near you, mm-hmm. in your mouth and in your heart. Mm-hmm. That is the word of faith which mm-hmm. we are preaching. Notice that the word of faith which we are what? Preaching or proclaiming. That's the gospel. Continue. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord mm-hmm. and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, mm-hmm. you will be saved. Mm-hmm. For with the heart a person believes, mm-hmm. resulting in righteousness, mm-hmm. and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. We'll talk about that some other time. Go ahead. For the scripture says, Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Uh For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Uh For the same Lord is Lord of all, Mm -hmm. abounded in riches for all who call on him. Mm -hmm. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm -hmm. How then will they call on him? Stop right there. Whoever will come upon the name of the Lord will be what? That's God's part. It's an accomplished reality. Are you following? Huh? That is God's part, meaning both redemption and salvation are accomplished. Stay right there. We're coming there. So here's what God did. Redemption. His rescue operation by which Satan was what? Defeated. His what? Kingdom what? Overthrown. The fall was dealt with. How? By sin being judged and punished. A man, the result, man was what? Forgiven. Cleansed. Justified. Released from bondage and curses. Is that correct? Amen. Second portion is a coin of two sides. This is a coin of how many sides? Two sides. Here's the other side of the coin. It's known as what? Salvation. Salvation means restoration of the redeemed. That person that has been taken care of, forgiven, cleansed and justified, right? Is now restored to God and is, makes his entrance to God's what? Kingdom. For what? The experience of what? Regeneration. Jump starting. <laughs> Next, eternal life. Are you following? Next, restoration to God and reconciliation. Next, inheritance of all kingdom purposes, plans, and provisions. Every need is now taken care of. Watch. That's what God did. A coin of two sides. Redemption and whoever he redeemed is brought into what? Salvation. The experience of God and his kingdom. The entrance into his kingdom for those blessings. Period. So it's been done. But now when people see that and confess and follow Jesus, that all of that happens. But now there's a question. Read that question. Read from there now. Are you you all following? 
Ah, huh? all right. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord uh -huh. will be saved. Uh -huh. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Ah, now this is our side now. How will they wait, 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 wait. That's a rhetorical question. Did you notice that? Eh? How would they get to know this? How would they call on the name of the Lord? Whom they have not what? Believed. Question number two. Go ahead. How will they believe in him who they have not heard? Okay. Are you all following? Okay. Number three. And how will they hear without a preacher? Okay. How will they... Wait, wait, wait. wait. No, 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 no. So, <laughs> who are the preachers here? There. You see, their responsibility is ours now. And then next. How will they preach unless they are sent? Oh, okay. That's why we are calling you. We are sent. Don't say, because I don't want to blame. Don't say I was in that church. My pastor never sent us. Now, did you understand that? Okay, continue. Just as it is written, uh -huh. how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news or good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. Stop right there. God has adorned everybody who will go. But there's another problem. Sometimes you go, they will not listen then that's no irresponsibility anymore. Is that okay now? Years ago, when somebody told me that God had called me as a preacher, I was a youth copper in those days. I just came out of university. I was saved, but I was not fully, fully. I was still carrying the dagger, not the knife. You know what the dagger is? The Gideon's Bible, New Testament. I was not that fully bold. So I used to carry the Bible I can put here. That's the Gideon's New Testament. I went to fellowship one night. The lady was pastoring with her husband. He called, he called me the first time anybody gave me that. He said, God is going to use you. You are going to be a preacher. I said, me? He said, yes. He said, me? I said, me? He said, yes. This was um, in 19, maybe 89 or so, or 88. I said, Miss there, yes. So she, the woman gave, given me this prophecy and finished. I went home. And uh, as it was my custom, I, before I went to bed, I prayed. And um, I'll read the Bible. Then I opened the Bible to read. And that page opened up. <laughs> that wasn't where I, supposed to, I was supposed to read. Exactly that passage opened up. And I read it. And as I was reading it, I remember what the woman said. Fear came upon me. I closed it quickly. Because I said, that's not what I'm, I'm, I'm going to do in life. I'm just being honest with you. Never forgot it. When she was reading, she didn't know what was going through my mind. <laughs> I got you. I closed it. See where we are now. <laughs> Don't ever think that you know more than God and bigger than God. I'm telling you. And you know what? Unless you line up with the purpose of God, your life will be in shambles. Saved, Holy Ghost filled, whatever. And the number one on his list is so winning. Are you all following? Amen. And when I began to walk in the light of that, I found my fulfillment. I, everything that I needed to make that happen were given to me. Amen? Okay. Next slide, quickly. Agents of divine intervention. Who are the people that God depends on to bring about 
what he did. See, their previous light, you can call it the finished work. Redemption and what? Salvation. But who are the players in this? Are you following? The chief player is who? The father. Is that correct? He's the source. Next player, the son. He's the channel. Is that correct? He went to the cross. He bore the sin. He did everything. Next player is who? The imparter. The Holy Spirit. He takes that and imparts to the lost. Look at look at every how many people are out to serve the lost. Look at that. How can you be the spoiler? Can you afford to be the spoiler? Look at it, the, the kind of lineup out for the lost. Look at that. Amen? Aren't you jealous? <laughs> Look at that. Okay. The means, the cross, God's finished work through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Timing, already accomplished. Okay? It's already accomplished. Communication is what remains. And what's the, the mode of the primary source of communication? The gospel. Next. Alright. Divine communication. That brings us to divine communication. Is that correct? AKA also known as the gospel, the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ, or the gospel of the kingdom of God, or the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Please don't let anybody draw into an argument. It's the same thing. Amen. What is it? Definition. The glad tidings or good news regarding the coming or presence of the Christ. Are you listening? Huh? His kingdom and its redemption and salvation. That's the gospel. The glad tidings or good news regarding the word coming or presence of who? The Christ. Who is the Christ? Jesus. His kingdom, the coming of and presence of his kingdom. And the redemption and salvation is brought to us. All of these. That's why all those passages talk about John the Baptist first came preaching the word, the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is where? At hand. Jesus came, started from there. Mark 1, after he heard that John the Baptist had been taken away, arrested and killed. The Bible says he came to the region of, you know, of, of Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, saying to them, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and do what? Believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. And you can go on. The church preach the same thing. And it's the same thing we are called. The early church preach the same thing. It's the same thing we are called to preach when? Now. The, and I can tell you the only difference. You know, people responded, right? Let me show you the difference. Both John the Baptist and Jesus and... Um, the 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 uh, the uh, twelve and the seventy they preached that the kingdom of God was where at where hand, but even now it's no more at hand. It is in our midst. It's already here, and that's that. But we, when we come next time, what we are going to do is to break it down. How do we break it down now? informally to make it informal on the job you don't have to carry a bell you know when we were growing up there were people who used to carry bells big bells they woke up at 4 a.m and, <laughs> and ring the bell and wake everybody up and when you wake up when you hear the bell and wake up you hear repent for the kingdom of god you would think they are talking about you directly and that worked and we can do it 
You know, one of the best places you can do such a thing is a subway train. You know, you don't have to... Listen, in our next outreach, we'll get into the train. We did it when we started New Year's. I don't know if you remember. We used to get on the trains, subway trains, and go. At TLC. Yeah. And we, we bought the, the different trains. And we, from number two, they are going down that way and going, coming up this way. Yeah? And after we came back, Oh, sorry. You, you guys have some of your friends who think you're crazy now. You joined this church. Uh, who go on the train. We did it. TLC did it. Can you believe that? We are very sophisticated now. Uh, we'll get back to that. No, seriously. So, but that's, is that a good news? Is that a good news? Jesus said to them, go, cast out demons. Heal the sick. Uh, raise the dead. He said, if they ask you, why are these things happening? You say to them, why? The kingdom of God has come. That's the vision he has for us. Praise God. Amen? No, seriously. It's not going to be in words only. Don't worry about that. Next one will involve impartation. What we are doing will not be about words only. People want to know how God is calling them, what ministry has them, what gift he has them. The gifts of the Holy Ghost are not given to, for you to sit down in church. It's for you to go out there and use it. Are you all hearing me? Amen. Healings will be happening there and the people will be coming the next day for testimony. Deliverances can happen on the street. And it doesn't have to be pastor only. Those who would go, you'll be imparted on a regular basis. Next slide. Next slide. Divine communication. How do we communicate the significance of that message. The message is the good tidings, good news or glad tidings that the kingdom has come. Amen? So we will break it down next time, but just the global way. And uh, the significance of that message, what is underlining on that message? What are the contents? The coming and presence of God and his rule on earth. That's the good news. You see, a lot of people think that Satan is still ruling. Satan is ruling only where the light of Christ has not come. Are you all following? That's where Satan is still ruling. But it is good news. The good news that you don't have to be under Satan's power anymore. Praise the Lord. A new king has come. Praise God. And what is involved in that message? The, at this present time, the God has come and he has brought in his kingdom and his rule. Where? Here on this earth. And what does that signify? What does that represent? What does that mean? He has defeated the devil, number one. Isn't there a value for us there? There is a value. Now you can stand up against the devil and oppose him and have your way. Are you all following what I'm saying? He has defeated the devil and he's redeeming humanity from his power and bondage is that good news? Huh? Do you know without what God did by sending his kingdom, many of us will not be here today? Huh? All right. And he's redeeming humanity. And then the third part, he is bringing the redeemed, those he has redeemed, into what? Salvation. For what? The experience of his what? Person, presence, and fellowship. Is that not good news? What else are they going to experience? Life. What, is, what kind of life? Eternal life. What else are they prone to experience? 
authority. Amen. And what? Power. What else are they going to experience? His purposes, his plans, and his what? Provisions. What else are they going to experience? Eternal fellowship and what? And heaven. Life in heaven. In heaven, right? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that if every one of those things there that the kingdom offers, do you, do you think that there are counterfeits and alternatives from the devil? Huh? For every one of those. Very good. That's why some people have not... There are people who have evil spiritual authority and power. And they think it's right. Or they may not think it's right, but when they have see, see superior one, they throw that one away. Remember the one in Samaria? Remember the guy in Samaria? Huh? What's his name? Simeon. Is that correct? He was using that to subject everybody. But when the apostles came, when Philip came, he saw Philip preaching the gospel of the kingdom of Christ. He saw demons, deli uh, people delivered from demons. He saw things happening. He gave his life to Christ. <laughs> Praise God. He gave his life to Christ. You know what has happened? He asked to be baptized. When the apostles, John and Peter came, I was was talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was willing. Except that he messed it because he was not cleaned out yet. He asked to give them money. He said, because the power you're exercising is higher than what I exercised before. So there are counterfeits. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay? And all kinds of, some of them are serving God. This is why we are here. The kingdom of God has come. Superior power that will give lasting joy, that will give lasting gladness, that will give lasting prosperity. Are you all following what I'm saying? Amen? Alright, next slide, quickly. Quickly. Divine communication strategy. How are we, what is the program? That, that's a program. How are we going to communicate this gospel? Are you all following? God's agenda is the gospel. His intervention was redemption and salvation, which he meant to be what? Communicated. Are you all following? Huh? And what's the strategy? That's where we are, we are winding down here, if you notice. What's the program as the strategy? What's the program? It's called what? Evangelism and so on. You see, we could have started here. We could have been home by now. That's the only advantage. If we had started from here. But just, and that's one thing in church. We, we, we deal with trees from the stem and branches. Are you following what I'm saying? Just because time, 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 time. Now, this will make more sense to you now. Am I right? Yeah. So what's the program? We just we keep talking about evangelism. You have to understand the problem, the need. You see, I, I'm from the medical field. One thing we do in the medical field is that we sit down to diagnose the problem. <laughs> Nurses and doctors, that's how we are trained. We don't jump into things. That's why we ha you have to wait for us. You don't like that part. And when we come out, we start asking you questions. You don't like that. We put a thermometer in your... Is that... Come on. What does the thermometer... What do you need to check my... My pressure has been good. Why are you check, checking my pressure? <laughs> are you following? We stick something in your tongue. And we brought it out. 
When, when, you know what people are wanting to know? When, when, when is the doctor coming to see me? All that thermometer you're checking, they are not interested. They want the doctor to come and make the announcement. Open your mouth. I just ate. But ma'am, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm trying to see if you're dehydrated or if you have to go under anesthesia if you have mouth wide enough. Everything has meaning. What's your mother's maiden name? You give them wrong name. No, no, I'm telling you, human beings are. Now they want to find out who I am. You got to do, do whatever. Let me get out of here. Do you understand? Do you have any allergies? No. That's a reason. No, I, I, is anybody understanding what I'm saying? Do you have any medical problems? No. Do you take any medication? Yes. What medication? Water pill for my pressure. But you just say you have no medical problem. Human beings, every hospital, church, or confusion every time. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's the here's the point. What's the program? Evangelism and what? So winning. What's the process? Number one, seeking the lost. Amen? Always in the gospel, people have to go. Part of the problem of the present church is that we want people to come. It's good to want people come to come. Do you understand what I'm saying? But that wouldn't be evangelism. That would be teaching and exhortation. For evangelism, you have to go to where they are. That's why people get ordained as evangelists. You know where you see them every time in the pulpit, either sitting or preaching. But their calling is supposed to be in the field. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. So, and we have to look beyond the evangelists with titles. It's now you and I, foot soldiers. Amen? So, seek the lost. All those scriptures talk about, give examples of. We must, that's the first thing we must grasp. We have to do what? Go out. So, whenever we call for evangelism next time, we are organizing ourselves so we can go out. Is that understood now? on our individual time even if the person is sitting next to you there's still a need to go out for going out huh hello i am so 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 what's your name and then we start we start you know speaking and talking soccer we can start from soccer or basketball that would be for the next session amen how we do it okay that's on one-on-one -on -one. if we are not on the street we can start talking about anything. We can talk politics and from there we're into. That's okay. The, then apart from uh, seeking the loss, what's the next one? The deliver. What is the way of delivery? One way. One way. Are you following? Is that me? I'm sorry. Brother Martin fixed it real good and it has not been Praise the Lord. Okay. The word is what? The, the everyday English word for it is preaching. But the real Greek talks about what? Proclamation. Proclamation. And that makes the job easy for you. You don't have to be a pastor. Praise the Lord. Amen. Are you hearing me? Or an apostle. 
to be able to preach because the actual sense there is to proclaim to be a witness and say what you saw are you following what are the levels number one verbal what announcement is that correct yeah i can, I can continue with this for the rest of it verbal verbal what announcement everybody understands that is that correct the next one is what demonstration demonstration the world wants a demonstration too i tell you it works demonstration works and god has always demonstrated the gospel starting from moses in the palace of pharaoh are you following and all true the Old Testament. Oh, when Jesus came, it was demonstration every time. Demonstration of the power of the gospel. We need it. We will do it from now on. Not only on the street. Anywhere you are. Are you all following? Okay. Demonstration. What does demonstration consist of? Three things. Are you following? Number one, signs and what? Wonders. What does that include? Miracles. Healings, deliverance, breakthroughs, open doors. That's the context for which those things were made. Amen? What's the other kind of demonstration? Lifestyle. Lifestyle. You can't preach to people and the next time they see you, they're wondering, is it he or not who witnessed to me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you know that if you start with lifestyle, they may get saved without a verbal proclamation. Huh? I've told you stories here that I heard. Praise the Lord. Years ago, there was in the British Navy, the, the sailors were on a tour of duty somewhere. And there was a lot, you know, Navy people are known for evil, weird lifestyle, very bad lifestyle. And people who travel on sea, Navy seamen. Uh, that's why when somebody is cursing, they say he curses like a sailor. <laughs> the language is vile. I'm not saying any Navy, every Navy person is like that. So, and there was a lot of people there vowed never to be Christians. But there was this born again Christian who was a Navy man in their midst. And he committed to live a godly life there. And he never preached to anybody, he didn't. But he, just, he, he chose to live a different life. And there was an atheist in the midst. Self-confessed atheist. After about a couple of months, one day the atheist couldn't handle it anymore. He called the Navy guy, the, the Christian. He said, can I talk to you? He said, yes. He said, listen, I am an avowed atheist. And I had vowed never to have anything to do with religion, especially Christianity and Christ. But having watched you over these months that we spent together, I've not talked to you before. You have challenged my life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say, what do you what do you suggest I do next? The man led him to Christ. So lifestyle is important. Praise the Lord. What's the next demonstration? And, and you know one thing about demonstration. I, I this is my my favorite way of illustrating it. How many of you know the vacuum machine known as Kirby. You remember Kirby, right? Very expensive. Right? Very expensive. In the 90s, it used to be a thousand. Is that correct? 
And you don't want to. When people told about Caribbean and how much it is, yeah, it's good. But why do I spend that money? And the company recognized what was going on. They put so much into it. So, but at the end of the day, it became very expensive. Rev, you know what the company used to do? They will call you and just ask you for one thing. Can we come and demonstrate it? They say, what? No, 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 ma'am. Just give us time. You, you don't have to buy. That's what they will tell you. But before they're over, you buy. Ma'am, you don't have to buy. They will beg and beg, not for you to buy, but just to give them 15 minutes of demonstration. I say, I'm, either my wife or I, we are going out. We don't worry. Just oh no! First and foremost, they come and put leave a gift in your front of your door. That's the next stop. Am I the only one that did that? Yeah, they leave a gift, and they will call you and say, "Did you see our gift?" <laughs> say we did. Uh huh. Can, can we just come and demonstrate it? No. They won't accept no financial. They will come and come and come, and you ask them to come and demonstrate it. You're done. <laughs> By the time they start bringing, they tell you this one cleans the sofa. You say, really? The one you had before cleans only the floor. And it's dry vacuum. No shampoo, no nothing. They bring the shampoo. You begin to change your mind. When they are done, you're talking price. Do you get what I'm saying? That's the wisdom of God. Amen? Next demonstration. Is support financial and what material Jesus did it did you notice that he, he brought food for people who followed him for three days he did everything the early church did it they took offering for earthquake victims is that correct in the early church is that true uh -huh. and the challenges are more now than that even so that's the strategy okay next quickly quickly let's go faster now Divine embassy slash commission, ambassadors and communicators. Aha. Uh -huh. Amen. We are an embassy of God on earth. Amen. Okay. The church. What's the embassy? The church. All believers as God's servants embassy on earth. As God's or heaven's embassy on earth for the communication of his kingdom and his righteous values. Friends, what we are doing here is we were communicating the values of the kingdom of God to the people. Praise the Lord. If abortion, of course, abortion is not of God. It's an evil value. How is it going to change when you get people to be saved? It will change. Homosexuality is evil value. It's an evil value. What's God's plan? It has to change. How is it going to change? By God putting his people with heaven's value here so that they will affect the non-people of God. Are you all following what I'm saying? Okay. So that's number one. The, the church, the communicators. But here's the things, here are the things that God did on the church to prepare them for this. Divine accreditation and commission. is called a great commission. Number one, delegation. He called them delegation and charge. Charge them Gave them the mandate to go. Are we waiting for that, or has that happened? That has happened. Amen. So, so that you know what you have, 
when you go out, before you go out. Next one, endowment by impartation with the keys of the kingdom. Like such keys as what? Eternal or divine life. Do we have eternal life? Then we are talking about what we have. You don't need a seminary degree for this. Look at the things you need. And every one of those have been given to us by God. What's the first one? Eternal life. Next. Next slide. The divine word. Do we have it? The gospel. Do we have the gospel? Next. Authority. Divine authority. The permission. That's his name. We can ex expand on those ones some other times. Next. Divine power. What is it? The anointing. That's the Holy Spirit. Next. Divine attestation. Miracles, signs, and wonders. We have them. And they will continue to follow. So listen. Why am I saying this? So that you know you are not going empty-handed. You have all this. And when we, if we do impartation, is to awaken those things. They are there already. Are you following? And that's what we are going to do next time and as the time permits. Next, ongoing. We have that. We have to be aware of these things. And if we don't use these things, they'll be wasted and we'll give account. And the easiest, quickest, most accessible place to do these things, to use these things, is evangelism. Amen? Next, the resources for the hearer, the lost. Can you imagine? God did not only equip his people. Guess what he did? He made available resources for who? The hearers, the lost. Can you believe that? That God has put things in place. Listen to this, everybody. God has put things in place that will enable the lost to respond. In other words, God did not harden them. He softened their heart and he wants you to go. Even if he hadn't them. Remember when Moses complained about Pharaoh? Huh? Good. God said, I hadn't Pharaoh's heart. <coughs> so that you prove my wonders. But here, I don't even think he hadn't the unbelievers. Oh, we may see some of them and say they are hardened. But they can but look at the saving grace. I called it saving grace. You had the expression saving grace before, right? Here's the saving grace. A divine package consisting of God's covenant what covenant what atonement resulting in redemption and salvation god had already atoned for their sin it's not the prayer you're going to pray for them that will turn away their sins the prayer the holy spirit will use it to quicken their faith so that they will see it are you following amen god has already made an atonement for them god had taken care of their sin with the blood of his son, God's anger on their sin has been taken away. That's the atonement. Amen. Next thing in that grace, the seeking out. God himself has sought them out and the drawing out of the lost to himself. God has done that already. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. And again, he's sending you to seek the person again and to draw. And you know what God does with the Holy Spirit? Seeking out and drawing of the lost to himself and into his salvation. Let me give you an example. How many of you remember the story of Saul? Saul of Tarsus, right? You remember he was a lost soul? Huh? You don't believe? Before he became Paul, before on the, he was on the road of, to Damascus, that he changed. Otherwise, before that moment, he was a lost soul. He was a murderer and all kinds of things. Are you following? So, but if you read him in Galatia, he said, 
that Father, the Father, God, had already done what? Sanctified him from his mother's womb. Is that what he said? That's what the Holy Spirit does. Let me say this and it will help you. And the Holy Spirit said something like that again in 2 Thessalonians. Let, can I tell you this? Every unbeliever out there is under the working of the Holy Spirit. Yes, evil is leading them. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit is operating on them. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is arranging circumstances and situations for them. And putting them on the path of those circumstances and situations. And one of the things on that path is you. Every, let me say this to you. The first person that encounters an unbeliever before you and Christ is the Holy Spirit. He encounters them. He starts working on them, softening their heart, starts drawing them, drawing them, drawing them. And one day, he asks the church to set up a concert. Church sets up a concert. The Holy Spirit draws the person to the concert. Another time, he can tell a church to set up an outreach program. Church sets up outreach program, standing on the street corners. And the Holy Spirit set them to set it because he is going to bring somebody there apart. We don't see this. Am I, am I making sense to anybody? <laughs> it, listen, it could be sickness. He could use sickness to draw them to himself and bring them to a hospital. And the ministry shows up and says they have a hospital ministry. Or a believer went to visit a friend and sees them, praying for the friend on the way out. The mom, can I pray for you too? It is the work of the Holy Spirit at work, you know, behind the scene. Are you following that? The next thing in the saving grace is provision of the light and the opening of the eye by the word gospel has God provided for the light and for the opening of the eye if the gospel is lost it is lost to them who are what perishing in whose case the God of this world has what blinded their eyes and next the convincing person and ministry of the Holy Spirit did you see that the Holy Spirit is working convicting people listen if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict them you can win them so before we go, we ask the Holy Spirit to, to manifest this and bring this. Next. No, no, no. Ne go, you go back there. The thing that God has put in place in the, in the lost. Next is what? Appropriating faith. Grace appropriating faculty. So that they have faith. Every unbeliever there has faith. But they are using their faith for the wrong reason. Or their faith has not been challenged with the right object. Which is Christ. Am I, are you listening? Is that correct? Amen. So, every unbeliever has faith. If they have faith, they can receive and believe. Amen? The next thing is belief. They have the ability to be persuaded of the conviction, of, you know, and after, with that ability, if they are persuaded with the gospel, then that leads to what? Repentance, confession, and action. Next, almost there, Almost there. Thank you for your patience. Human responses. Human what? Responses. What are you going to expect? I left out two of them, but I'll mention them. What, what, how are people likely to respond? Number one, unbelief. Is that correct? Outright rejection of the proclaimed what? 
gospel. Praise the Lord. So, outright rejection. And you know what? When they reject that gospel, you yourself may feel rejected. Is that true? Now, that's not the time to take it personal. And you turn around, your brother or your sister is winning too already. And that's not the time to say, God, I don't know what my life has done to nothing I take works. That's not the time for that. Praise the Lord. What we may even call rejection here may not be the end of the story. Don't feel rejected. Because sometimes you throw a seed in the ground. It takes time. God's word will always return to him fruitful. Next, doubt. Double-mindedness. What will it lead to? Some people say, mm, I don't know. Uh, I would have gone, but I have a neighbor who is a Christian. He's always beating the wife. He goes to church. I have another sister on my job who goes to church. It's always in Atlantic City. Burton. I'm telling you, the devil will raise up all kinds of things in their mind. Okay, let's try it next time. They did that to Paul. In <laughs> I'm serious. Okay? Alright. Double-mindedness will lead to indecision. Some people will say, you know what? I'm not ready to decide now. But if the Holy Spirit wants to, he, he may trick them, he may push them to jail. And they get it there. I have seen those happen. You, you don't, this is no light business. Are you hearing me? It's not a light business. And if you have a family member who wouldn't hear, you just release them. Instead of them dying, let God do whatever he will do to get them to this point. Amen? Alright. Indecision and what? Procrastination. Procrastination of response. It does happen. Amen? Next response, kind of response is what? Faith which is apprehension, substantiation and conviction or reckoning with. Yes, faith. A lot of people think it's faith. is that thing you use to receive good job and health and healing. Faith does a lot more. Watch what faith will do in a soul, in a lost soul. First thing, in, when it comes to evangelism, the first thing is faith will appre apprehend. Is what? Himself. He will appre apprehend himself as a what? A sinner or lost soul. He see himself by faith as somebody who is in, in captivity or bondage. It's faith that will show him that. You believe that? Yeah, it's faith. When you tell him that anybody who's not born again is a captive of the devil, you can say it for 10 years, but one day he sees it. That's faith quickening up. It's the eye of faith. It's not, the flesh cannot see that, which is the opposite of faith. Are you following a man? Next thing faith will show him when you're preaching to him is the reality of hell. And that's a future personal destiny for him. Okay? Faith will show him this hell thing is real. All of a sudden he sees it. It's faith. When, they, when you preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit takes what you preach to quicken his faith. One of the things his faith will apprehend is that. Next thing faith, his faith can apprehend is God as who? The creator. He may not have thought about that. Or as the redeemer. And you can also appre apprehend God's purposes that none should perish or any of his purposes of restoration and what? Reconciliation. 
Next thing faith will show him. Now we're coming home. Is Jesus as the Christ. The only way to God. Amen. And his finished work. As the sole basis of redemption. Salvation and eternal life. If faith doesn't show you that. If the Holy Spirit doesn't quickly open your eyes of faith to see that. You're not going anywhere. Am I making a sense? But you know the one thing that will quicken the faith. And the faith will begin to see things. On your part and on my part is the proclamation, proclamation of the gospel and the demonstration of it. Is that correct? So here's how it works. The Holy Spirit is doing what? Waiting. God has put faith in the heart of the person already. The Holy Spirit is standing by, waiting. That's why he asks us the question, how can they believe unless? Are you following? So when we ourselves believe that they can be saved and we go and preach, the Holy Spirit takes our word and does the job. It is not you that will convert them. You are the messenger. The Holy Spirit will take your message and work on their heart. Your message is like the sowing of a seed in the heart. It is the Holy Spirit that will germinate that seed. That's seed sowing. Financial seed sowing is clear. This is gospel what? Seed sowing. And we are the beginning of a new year. This is planting season. Alright, next slide. Human responses. The fourth one is what? Belief. Remember the previous one was faith. Is that correct? Okay. Appropriation of God, His Christ, His redemption, salvation, it's, and this eternal life, kingdom and salvation, uh, salvation repeated through. So he's not appropriating now, but he's taking, he's appropriating. Is that correct? How is he going to appropriate it? By repentance. That's something that happens inside the heart. He changes his mind. Church people are not crooks anymore. Jesus is real. God is real. I was a sinner really up to this time, but I want to change. Are you following? All of that happening in the heart. Next thing, outward. He confesses. Two levels of confession. He denounces Satan and every evil. He affirms the word of God that he had. And he commits himself. Are you following? Then he takes some certain steps, actions. One of the most first ones, maybe an altar call, but turning point, baptism. And then a life of discipleship, lifelong lifestyle of faith, learning and growth in worship and in grace. Next slide. That's the last section, last two slides. There are two, I believe. Or one. This may be the last slide. Huh? Hindrances and opposition. We have to be aware of this. Hindrances and what? Opposition to the God's purposes and the proclamation against the gospel. Is that clear? Number one, persons who oppose. Who are the persons who oppose? Satan. Oh, he opposes evangelism by all means. Amen? Amen. His agents and forces. And what are they? Human servants. Oh, the Bible is filled with them in Acts. Re remember the man that who opposed Paul? When Paul was preaching to the governor of the island, Sergius Paulus, did you remember? An occult practitioner who kept interjecting 
and Paul had to rebuke him. Is that correct? All right. <clears throat> Acts 8 is Simeon, remember? And Diana of Ephesus in Acts 19. These are examples. They had to imprison Paul and so on and so forth. Opposition. Then the second set of opposition and strategies of the enemy are evil alternatives such as what? Lies and what? Deceptions. In the meeting of ministers I attended early, earlier today, listen to this. They are talking about the, the entertainment industry voting a huge amount of money. You were there for series, TV and uh, a t television series on um, uh, inspirational messages from the Bible. So one of the projects they undertook to do with that money is to do a series on Mary. Are you following? So the lady they chose to act Mary for this multi-million dollar project is a very worldly person. Now listen to that. Are, are you hearing me? Huh? As she was cursing, that's the depiction of Mary. No, I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. <laughs> that's the depi depiction of Mary. And uh, and Mary was, their the, Mary was bragging at the time that she hasn't had sex in the last one year. They are their depiction of Mary. Okay? Yeah. Uh, haven't you seen, you watch Easter is coming. They're going to do a TV program on uh, Jesus. They may tell you they discovered that he and Mary Magdalene were, were in relationship. Or they found the cloth that they used to bury him. And people believe those things. So this is opposition, alternatives. So the lady in the meeting was telling us that when these monies, these monies don't get to churches and preachers that speak the truth. And guess who orchestrated that? The devil. Amen? All right. Ignorance of the gospel. The Bible says, how will they believe except they hear? Say, how will they hear except as a preacher? My people perish because of what? Ignorance. Ignorance of the gospel proclaimers and um, um, sorry, and lack of proclaimers and workers. It should be lack of proclaimers, my mistake. Lack of what? Proclaimers and workers. Jesus says somewhere that the field is what? Ripe. But what? The laborers are what? Few. Look at TLC. Look at the number we could get out for this. The laborers are always few, but we can break that cycle. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? All right. Next, pressures. Pressures. Amen? Spiritual pressures upon both the lost and, uh, uh, and, and, the, and the church. Physical pressures social political social and political pressures you know one of the reasons why why did god want us to pray for those who are in authority anybody remember remembers why god wants us to pray for those in authority that we will be what that we may live a what a peaceable life that's a careful language it's not a life where there's no trouble it's a life that has enough peace to enable everything else work priority 
the preaching of the kingdom. You know, if there's war, a real war, in certain places, we will not be able to get there to preach the gospel. Are you aware of that? You know, you know, God is amazing. Which empire was in power when the early church began? Anybody remembers history? The Roman Empire. I don't know if I can ask the next question. This is a little history now. What? Sister <laughs> Vichy, you're laughing. I'm coming at you now. <laughs> okay. What was the Roman Empire known for? One positive thing they were known for during their time. Huh? Their what? Their structure of their welfare, yes. But some, eh? Excellent. They had, they built good network of roads. The Roman Empire was known for that. Second thing they were known for, positive. Peace. They maintained peace in the empire. Have you heard of Pax Romana? Church scholars said that those two things helped so greatly in the propagation of the gospel. Who's behind that? God. The roads were good. That's why they could get to North Africa, go to, get to Europe. If you notice Paul, I mean, they, didn't, they, they were not using fast jets and all that. But they traveled everywhere. If it were Babylonians and all that, those people didn't build roads. Even the Greeks, they were fighting wars all the time. But the Roman Empire came, established peace, built roads. It helped the preaching of the gospel. So social political pressures, confusion in government, we have to pray against it. Because it will affect the preaching of the gospel. Are you all hearing me? Wars, rumors of wars. Christians everywhere you turn around, they are arresting missionaries and beheading them. That's crazy. Then tomorrow, some people say they will, they will not go. It's the plan of the enemy. Terrorists running around everywhere. So when we come for prayer, we shackle these things. Praise the Lord. Alright, finally, economic pressures. Lastly, evil attitudes. Evil attitudes. Unbelief and doubt. That's the last Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We did that in less than two hours. That was good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know if you were blessed. Any questions? Any contribution? Any observations? Anybody? Um, you said, well, the Bible said that... Um, well, you, you reiterated that all everyone is saved, right? The Bible says that we are all saved by Jesus Christ. On paper. On paper. Um, so who are the elect? I think I answered that question already while I was talking, but good question. Amen? Good, yeah, very good question. Uh, who are the elect? The elect are those who accepted the salvation. I know why you asked that question, because that's what's out there. The elect by those out there are those that God has chosen in eternity to save. That's what they believe. Is that true? Is that why? Yeah. You, know, she, you don't know, but, but that's what... Uh, uh, did you get her question? Very important question. And, it, and it's something that has to be dealt with before we go out for evangelism. Who are the elect? The, there's a stream of Christianity they call Calvinism. 
their doctrine is that God is not about saving everybody. That God has already chosen some people. And only those ones where did Jesus die for. That's what Calvinists preach. But Arminianism, which is the opposite, says God wants everybody saved. And you know the interesting thing? Each side have some scriptures to support what they're saying. But when you sit down, you see the, 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 the balance. Okay? So, and those ones, they say that God had already chosen before time. That's who they call the elects. In other words, God has, by his own will, elected them to be saved. So, what does that do to preaching and evangelism? There's no use preaching to somebody whom you may think that God has not elected. Is that true? But that doesn't work. The, the gospel is for everybody. So the elect should be those who eventually, ultimately, praise the Lord, see, hear the gospel, believe it, and respond to it. The point is that God has chosen everybody, but the people that eventually have their status elect are those who respond. Case in point, one of the examples in the argument is Esau and Jacob. Is that correct? Esau and Jacob. Some people say God had planned, already planned that Jacob will have the blessing. No. The thing is that God knew how both of them will respond ahead of time. So here's the point. God wants everybody to be saved, but he knows that God has saved everybody. He had planned that everybody will be saved on the cross. He saved everybody, but he knows that there are people who will not receive. And he knows who those people are, but you and I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? And no preaching, no, no in, uh, encounter with anybody is going to be a waste of time. Because we do not know who will respond or not respond. Thank you for that question. Very good one. Any other question? Any other observation? Amen? It means everything was clear. Is that? <laughs> Which is good. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord.